Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. You've got Luke here. You've got Tony. It's the last Wednesday of the month, last Wednesday of the quarter. We've got a lot of good things happening right now. Yeah. A lot of good things happening right now. Um, for starters, I think my hair is actually growing in quite nicely. Because I had a, I had a cut pretty short a couple you of weeks ago. You did have a cut. It was very really short. short. It's very short. You know, I was thinking about joining the Marines, and then I, uh, I figured it was better just to talk to you. Opted against it. Yeah, opted against it. Um, nothing against the Marines, you know. But anyways, um, not just not. I'm not cut from that cloth. All right, I'm just not cut from that cloth. But, um, so we, we've got. There's a couple things we're going to talk about uh, today, right? We're going to talk about carriers exiting the market. We're going to talk about where rates and tender rejections are going. We're going to talk about how truckload volume is actually up and why that's probably not helping you right now. Yeah. And then we're also going to talk about where equipment prices are going. Yeah. And currently where they are too, which it's they were great. bad and now they're worse. Yeah. And it's, I don't know if it's going to get better anytime soon. Sure doesn't. Like it's hard to imagine it's going to get much worse. Yeah. And then it does. And like you said, there's not much that says this is going to stop anytime in the near future because they are, it is just a spiral. Also, uh, sorry for everybody watching this. We were having a conversation before the show about how our IOTI, which is our bookings on the ocean import volume, was not anywhere near its year-to-date high. I'll just put it up. It's basically at its year-to-date high, like within a half a percent of its year-to-date high. Therefore, I win. So. It's, yeah, I mean, it's elevated and it's good, but I yeah. mean, you've got Golden Week coming up, so what are the impacts following that? That was really the last... It definitely didn't fall at all right after Golden Week last year. Exactly. That's, it really didn't. It's, uh, <laughs> so we'll see how it plays out. It's it's one of those... Time will tell. It, it starts on Saturday, or Sunday. Yeah. So it starts on October 1st, which is what, Saturday, Sunday? And it goes, what, till the 7th? Yeah, I mean, it's a week. Right. So. Okay. So that'll be interesting. We'll keep an eye on that. Also, I, I also want to talk about too. So the UAW strike, we were talking about that last week, a couple of things to keep an eye on. Nothing's happened. Yeah. Nothing really. Yeah. Wait times are not up. In fact, they're down from last week. Tender rejections in all of the hot markets unchanged. Yeah. Demand unchanged. Rates unchanged. Yeah. I mean, you probably don't feel it unless you're delivering to that actual plant or the plants themselves. Like you may that's where you're going to feel it. But I mean, when you think about it, it's still, you have to remember from a supply chain perspective, the automakers were dealing with massive inventory of finished vehicles, right? So like, this is not like hurting that aspect yet. Like right. it's a slowdown. When that inventory runs to a level that they're uncomfortable with, that's when it will be felt. Like it's, it's one of these like knock-on effects and it's interesting because when you think about it, like how the automotive supply chain works, a lot of times it's that just in time, like you're getting it there to avoid a plant shutdown and making a delivery to avoid a plant shutdown. Well, now the plants are shut down. So you're not even having those deliveries in. So, but you're having to go search for other freight, especially if you're, that's the, you're moving. Now the question is if you're moving automotive freight, have to get out of that you're likely getting out of your network and how does that play out i mean that's the carriers that were running this freight are going to be the ones that feel it the most yeah definitely and yeah there's definitely going to be those edge cases but and, like market wide yeah and the big one will be is if it, if it expands right? right that will be where it's felt i mean right now it's still somewhat isolated 
the longer it drags on, the bigger it gets, the the more meaningful impact it will have. Definitely. All right. So I want to talk about uh, truckload demand right now. So we've been looking at our OTVI index. In fact, let's go ahead and throw it up here real quick on, on the TV force. There it is right there. Look at that. So big dips, by the way, here. Those are just your holidays. All mm -hmm. right. So all that stuff, we'll ignore that. Okay. Um, we just want to look at the general trend here, the direction. And we are very, I mean, we're, we're within, you know, just, uh, just a hair of our one year high. Yeah. Right. We're essentially at really since February was where we bottomed out, which makes sense that that's kind of a, that's a very mm -hmm. soft time of the year, but pretty much since then, minus the tiny little dip in April, it's been just this steady, just stair step increases for the last six, seven months. Yeah. It's kind of what you would expect. I, I think the interesting part is we're likely to inflect positive year over year at the beginning of October, which is crazy to think that we could have volumes up year over year. But when you really think about it, we came off the highs in what? March of last year right. in terms of volume domestically. By the time... So you could probably call it the bottom of volume in Mar February, March of this year. You can go even the first couple of weeks in April. And then we've climbed out of it. You'd want to see that growth. And I think that's the key is you want to continue to see volume levels grow. I think some of it is you've seen demand for, well, I mean, if we think this tracks the contract market, which it largely does, You've seen a lot more flowing into the contract market as opposed to spot. I mean, you just, on the spot market, and we'll look at uh, rejection rates here in a minute. I mean, like nothing's flowing into the spot market. So whatever capacity, capacity we've built up over the past few years can service this demand no issue. It right. could take on more demand than this. So, I mean, overall, it's a positive, but it's maybe not being felt by everybody. I yeah. think that's the difference is like, Yes, volumes are growing in aggregate, but is everybody feeling it the same way? Let let me put this in perspective for everybody really quick, because I think what you said is incredibly important, Tony, and I want to just highlight it. All right. So let me put this in perspective. In a normal, if you take COVID away and this is the year right after 2019, mm -hmm. it's a very healthy year for the freight yeah. market. It looks good. It's yep. not like you're not going to the moon. But it looks healthy. It's stair stepping. It's up, right? Maybe part of that's population growth, whatever, right? Like this looks, this looks good. It yeah. looks healthy. A healthy amount of growth. To your point, because of COVID, we got so overextended with so much capacity in the market. Now we're, we're paying the price. The bill came due. This yes. is the bill. Basically, is like even though technically the freight markets right now are are pretty healthy on a long term trend. Yeah, you're still paying the bill of what we got. A couple yeah, of years ago. That artificial increase. I don't even call it artificial increase in demand. It was very real, but it was boosted by government spending and stimulus flowing into consumers' pockets. Now, what's interesting is right now, the government's doing two different things, right? They pulled the lever to try to slow inflation, tightening, raising interest rates, tightening fiscally. But they're also spending money, injecting stimulus into the economy. It's just not into the consumer's pockets. It's into the industrial economy's pockets, right? CHIPS Act, Infrastructure Bill, uh, what is it? The CARES Act. So all of those combined, I mean, you're starting to see an inflow from those have an impact in, in freight demand as well, yeah. which is, it, 
that plays out over a longer period of time than the consumer, right? right. And you see that because just go look in May of 2020 when stimulus started rolling out and the impact that it instantly had on goods demand. I mean, it was an instant impact. You're talking, you didn't see an increase in demand here. What, April? When was the infrastructure bill signed? And Somewhere around the, Q1, I think. Late I, Q1, maybe. I thought it was in last during last year. Was it last year? Yeah. I mean, November 6, 2021 is the fact sheet on. Okay. Yeah. November 15, 2022, 2021. So you're talking 18 months later. Wow. That, and that, that's the thing. I mean, that's the, when you're on, from a government perspective, government spending into this term, you're, it takes longer for that money to get allocated to where it's supposed to go. And it, it will take years of that doing. But what's interesting is they're doing two opposite things. Like they're pulling, two levers that work in opposite directions. And that's the interesting part of where the economy is right now. We're talking about with them continuing to increase interest rates, which are really impacting consumers, but then yeah. also pumping money pumping into money, the, the yeah, industrial do, markets. Yeah, they're doing something to kill demand or soften demand, dampen demand, however you want to phrase it. But they're also stimulating that econ the economy too. And so they're pulling two separate levers that work against each other at the same time. So it puts you in a really interesting spot in the economy. And I think that's why a lot of people don't understand where we're going overall, why there's so much uncertainty about the macro economy is because nobody's seen the government pull two separately. Like they're, it's almost like they're fighting against each other. Like the Fed and Congress are working against each other as opposed to, you would think, working together to try to, one, curb inflation, which... We saw what happened in August, right? That number came in way hotter than expected. I shouldn't say that. It was expected because you could just see it in gas prices, uh, just the increase there. But for the Fed, who wants a target range of 2%, to see an increase of what they saw and what, core inflation above 4% still? Like, yeah. It definitely sets up for more rate increases. I think what the market's baking in another rate increase before the end of the year, just a matter of when it's going to be. Exactly right. I'll tell you where we're not seeing rate increases though is on the truckload spot side. No. Definitely not are, seeing that. No. Still and, going down. Pull that up. Yeah. Give we'll go to the next chart. And I mean. Break it down for us here. So we got blue line is spot rates all in 226 a mile. Green line here is tender rejections currently sitting a smidge under 4%. This is over, over one year. Yeah. And you can see the movements. I mean, they track fairly close to each other and you saw the increase leading into Memorial or Labor Day. Sorry, got my summer holidays mixed up, but leading into Labor Day, it pushed spot rates up leading in close of August, early September. They held steady for about a week and you can kind of see that because look at where rejection rates, I mean, they were up above 4% for that whole time. Once they cross back under that 4% range, well, it's been downward pressure on spot rates. We're talking 226, kind of in line with where we've been really since April. Uh, yeah. Looks like we're probably going to fall to that 222 range, honestly. I mean, it's like, what's stopping it at this point? Yeah, because, I mean, again, you're at end of quarter, end of month, and yeah, you see demand, but you don't see a reaction in rejection rates. Part of the reason you don't see a reaction in rejection rates is because diesel fuel prices are four dollars a gallon, four fifty a gallon. Right. Like there's no incentive to leave a contract. Volumes there. You're getting a fuel surcharge. If you can cover it, you're going to cover it. Like you're not going to go find better opportunities in the spot market. 
And I think that's part of the reason why you see, I think part of the reason why you're seeing spot pricing decline is because spot market, the volume levels just aren't there. And anybody that's playing in it's just having to take whatever they can because right. it's, it's- Compared to most of the volume right now is staying in the contract market. We saw yeah. the volume chart earlier, right? OTVI, it's up and to the right. It's at, it's almost a yeah. one year high, but it's staying in a contract. Nobody wants to go to spot right now. And I think, so ultimately the question becomes like, well, well what's going to change this direction, right? We see volumes, they're inching up. They look healthy on a long-term chart, yeah. right? Rates, on the other hand, do not, particularly on the spot side. So we were talking about this earlier, right? How many, and we, we've talked about this before, right? Ultimately, how many carriers have to exit the market? There's too much capacity. You probably don't want so much to exit to that we go back to pre-COVID levels, yeah. but a considerable amount, most likely. And that's something I tweeted about this morning. If we can pull this chart up, the carrier details chart shows us the change, the weekly change in um, net trucking authority. So anything in the red here means that there's more carrier authorities leaving the market. Green means there's more entering the market. Not much of a surprise. Yeah, I mean, you a were lot of green during COVID. You were talking 2,000 carriers or 2,000 authorities a, a week. week. Yeah. And right now we've what touched a thousand twice. Mm -hmm. right. Compared to even in late 2018, it didn't get much above like 300. No, you saw really just slow growth in 2019. And I think that's that slower growth that you saw. I mean, you had weeks where you would lose 200, 250 carriers, but it kind of set up 2020 to be an okay year, especially in the back half. I mean, the difference is how much we added. I mean, again, 2,000 carriers no. in a week, and we haven't had a week where we've lost anywhere close to that. And no. typically that's, that's correct. You wouldn't lose as fast as you enter because people are going to hang on in an effort to withstand some of this. But I mean, ultimately you're going to have to see exits and that's the hard part. And then to your tweet that you had earlier, some of your respondents said like, why, why can't carriers get loads or the carriers that are leaving the market? You have to remember how fragmented the market is. We talked about contract volume growing, rejection rates that are remarkably low so there's nothing really flowing through the spot market who gets the contract freight well your largest carriers or those that have enough capacity to provide the density that the shipper would need right and largely 100 truck plus carriers yeah largely and, and well yeah and even then i mean if you're in a 100 truck fleet and say you have a customer that needs 30 trucks well what happens when they pull your freight because they go to another provider that can give them 60 trucks a week, right? Like their demand increases. You can't provide the extra capacity that they need. They just bring somebody else on that can give them all of it and they don't have to fight with two carriers. They just deal with one. Well, you've just lost arguably what? 30% of your volume? Just snap your fingers. That's hard to come back from. Like you're not going to be able to go out in the marketplace and find it right now. Even though volumes are growing, it gets a lot more difficult to go into those conversations. So to that, it's it's part of the reason why you have exits is because there are so many small fleets and they can't get involved in contracts, right? Brokers get involved in them, but they'll put it out. They, they have their carrier base that they know that runs the loads and they'll use them and there's a relationship. And if they mess up, they'll just go to the next one. And it's a transaction. Right. And, and yeah. we talk about relationships being so important. They are in this situation. 
Because if it's just transactional, those are the ones that are going to be out of the market. Those that don't have the relationship will be the ones that have to leave. 100%. Yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see ultimately where this chart continues to go yeah. and when, ultimately when, and, and it's likely not going to be this year, but I think like at some point, like we, we look at if volumes just continue to stair step like they're doing, rates will probably continue to fall for a little while. But eventually if this, if this number stays negative long enough, we're going to start to turn around. And who knows, there may be a black swan event that accelerates it. I mean, you have to look at it, right? I mean, the last dip negative was what? Before July 2020? Yeah. So what? We'll call it June 2020. So from June 2020, we saw net growth every week until June 2022. You're talking two years, two years. of consistent growth on a weekly basis. We've been negative for, let's call it 12 months. Yeah. Consistently. Consistently. So we're going to look at another 12 months. I don't know. At, at least though, because, right, because you said this is this is two years. So at least 12 months. The reason why I say at least is because you had a lot more growth than you do leaving. Now, again, this goes back to what we just said. Yeah. You don't need all of them to leave. No. But you do need some to leave or volumes have to do more than just stair-step growth. Yeah. I mean, you've got to see exponential growth. I think the question is going to be where... The what's going to eventually happen, what happens, it feels like every cycle is that we go too far on the exits, right? Yeah, and that's what causes the boom cycle like rates go up, rejection rates spike back up into the double digits, rates approach three dollars a mile, and then it happens again, and it's just cyclical. And what happens is things just go too far. and that's going to be the question of uh, what happens. And I yeah. think at this level, we would have to see it for quite some time. It's I would think this, I mean, it was 343 last week. I would think that number accelerates. It gets larger in the- I think so. By say, I mean, you could see- There's been a couple of weeks where you've, you've touched a thousand, but not a lot. Yeah. Look for the last couple weeks of the year and then the early, say, first six weeks- of next year. And if those show consistent, deep, negative decreases in authorities, you may have the opportunity. That may be a signal that, hey, enough capacity is starting to leave the market that by the time summertime rolls around and volume levels, because we saw it earlier, right around that April, mid-April, we see the increase associated with summer. If that starts to happen, well, look for capacity to start to tighten, and that might be your inflection point for the market as a whole yeah yeah what, what the other thing that we we wanted to look at too is when what's the other what's the other side of the coin here yeah. with with drivers leaving the market right so a lot of these two by the way are very if you're not familiar with the framework most of these are going to be small carriers right these aren't your big carriers leaving the market i think most of us know that and a lot of them probably bought used equipment not all but a lot mm -hmm. but now they're definitely selling their equipment used and if we look at three-year-old used truck prices, we just had the update come out from last month, and it's—I uh, mean, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good, folks. So, used truck prices. Check this out. You—I mean, this is the impact of used truck prices right now, with all these carriers leaving the market, with rates going down. Used truck prices have fallen below 2019 levels. Certainly, the 2019 highs. Maybe not the lowest point in 2019, but they've fallen below the 2019 highs. Yeah, which is which is quite remarkable. I mean, if you look at it. We're right in line with September's number. Well, actually, yeah, we're right in line with September's numbers of 2019. Yeah. So we're right on pace. 
Um, they did take a pretty big dip. I don't um, I don't know if we're gonna see go down to that level, but I mean, it sure feels that way. And I but always, I also didn't think we were gonna come down here this quickly either. I also and I only say this because the used equipment prices are a perfect example of supply and demand in the market, right? Yeah, you get when demand is hot and everybody wants to enter. You also have limited supply because carriers aren't wanting to get rid of any equipment. That's why you see the parabolic move that we saw. I mean, touching what, 140,000 plus? And honestly, this chart kind of looks like Bitcoin. Yeah. Once the market softens and carriers want, you lose the demand, but then carriers are also exiting. You're seeing equipment flood in. Your larger carriers, they continue to rotate equipment, right? Like that never stops. That replenish or replacement cycle doesn't stop. Right. So you're getting the market saturated with used equipment. Demand's not there. So you're seeing less demand and more supply. It is a, it basically creates this spiral for used equipment prices to go down. And like the only thing that offsets it is one or the other coming back, right? So you either have to stop the flow of supply into the market, which we looked at that, uh, the chart before, right? Doesn't seem like that's going to happen just given that we've seen so much growth that at some point, like that number has to, like we're going to be here, it seems like for at least another few months. That, or you have to see demand come back. And why would demand come back if rates are near their bottom? Like what? Carriers aren't going to enter the market when rates are 226 a mile. Like we see that in the, so you're getting hit from both sides and it's like, what will drive this number? I, it, that's the, that's the part I'm having a tough time putting my hand up because it really is a perfect econ 101 supply and demand set the price. Honestly. And, so, so listen to me for just a minute. Okay. Yeah. All right. Maybe now is the time to enter the market it because now there's a million and one reasons as to why what I just said is an incredibly stupid statement. But let me just let, let me just talk about the other side of the coin for a minute. So you entered the market during the bullish time, right? Rates are at their all-time high right at the start of 2020, which is right when that number peaks yeah. out. Rates are like at $8 billion a mile. Okay? You buy your truck. You yeah. buy it at like the most expensive possible time in the history of ever. Yeah. Now you get to buy a used truck at this at right lower than what some people bought the truck in 2019. Yes, rates are low, but at least you get it at less than half the cost. That equipment is not as significant of a financial burden as it once was. But your interest rates higher. Interest rates are higher, yes. But if you can make a significant down payment, maybe it's not as significant or maybe that's not as big of a burden, the interest rate. Yeah. What I would, I would almost say, wait until, call it December. Q1. Q1. Q1, March. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're right. This may not, there may be, I mean, what if we hit, what if we hit 50? I mean, that would be a significant drop from here. Uh, oh, from here, but, that would be incredibly significant. I mean, right? I mean, you're talking probably another, that's like another 30 plus percent. Yeah. But I mean, you had a 12% decline month over month. So um, it could happen. But uh, the only reason I say that is because if you're hopeful for the market recovery to be in Q2, odds are by the end of Q1, you'll be getting the cheapest available equipment. Because again, this goes into the supply demand dynamics. Yeah. This number should fall further based on where we are in the market cycle. Yeah. 
I, I legitimately yeah. believe we'll hit 60. Yeah. Oh, I do too. Which is a- after that, it's anybody's guess. Yeah. But so I, do, I mean, I, you, I, you I do think we'll hit the 60. Downward movement possible still here. Yeah. And your hope for rate recovery would be Q2. Mm-hmm. The end of March seems like the time where, hey, might be a good time. If you're trying to time a market cycle to enter, like pay attention to this, but also pay attention to what's going on in the That'll also O-tri. give you more time for cares to exit the market. Exactly. So you have more cares that have exited the market. So again, you're closer to that true bottom. Right. Yeah. We think we've hit the bottom on rates, but we haven't really come off the bottom. Correct. Right. So that's really what you're you're getting closer to when we bounce off the bottom. Correct. So you get you get bottom of the barrel equipment prices. You're closer to when there that equilibrium is shifting with CARES exiting the market. And yeah. to your point, right? Yeah, as you get closer to that equilibrium, rates eventually will go up, demand will go up. That equipment that you bought at rock bottom prices will be much more valuable. Yep. Exactly. So if you're a betting man or lady out there, potentially mid to late Q1 could be the time to time the market if you're somebody who's trying to yeah. time the market. Yeah. Time in the market beats. Time in the market definitely beats time in the market. But also, I wouldn't have mind putting in a short position in September of 2008 on the market either. Fair. Fair <laughs> so we'll see what happens. But anyways, folks, we are out of time. We'll see you next week live on Wistoner. We'll have a very special guest next week, so be sure to tune in then. Cheers.